but a great thing to, to study so that we can hopefully, Lord willing, have these things applied to our lives. Amen. And, and quite frankly, uh, to say that like that, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit is really a choice of, of yours. It's something that you get to decide if you want to exhibit those things. Amen. So uh, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, we're not going to go there in this moment, but uh, we will be there shortly uh, to Galatians chapter number 5, as well as John chapter 15. So while you're turning there, as we have done over the last number of weeks, do a quick review uh, for this series in And you might wonder why I do this all the time. Well, the answer comes every time we do it because you're retaining it. You're remembering. And I ask questions, you have the answers. Like this, where does it all begin? Submission. It all begins, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it all begins with submission. There is no fruitfulness without submission. We've talked about a number of things, these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. And in this, we understand when we go into our our secondary text tonight in John chapter 15, is that Jesus tells us that, that He is the vine, we are the branches, so that we must stay attached or abide in the vine. Amen. And so we must bear fruit, or what happens to the branch? Cut off and... Cast into the fire. We don't want to forget that. And so we must fulfill what God told Adam and Eve and to Noah and also simply the purpose of fruit uh, because the seed is in itself is to do what? Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. And so we are fru- must be fruitful and multiply. So we talked about the first week is love. And there are multiple types of love that are discussed in the Scripture, but the main one that we we focus on as Christians that is talked about and exhibited in the life of Christ is what kind of love? Agape love. What does that mean? Unconditional and decided. It's an unconditional and decided love. You've got to sometimes, many times, make the choice. To love. Amen. Because that love uh, is not shifting. It doesn't change with circumstances or feelings. It's a conscious decision to love. God shows that to us. While we were still his enemies or at enmity with him, he died for us. It was a choice, but that was agape love. Uh, And so uh, we spoke of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. We understand that it's as we abide in Him that we receive joy because it's in His presence there is what? Fullness of joy. Praise God. And so He wants His joy to remain in us that our joy would be full. And I pray that we have joy that doesn't mean a plastered smile. That means that, that you understand everything is going to be all right. Joyful. 
joyful. Everything's going to be all right. I, I, I may not have a plastered smile, but I also am not down in the mully grubs all day long. Praise God. Amen. So it's joy that begets joy, that begets joy, that begets joy. Uh, we talked about the fruit, the, the, the characteristic of peace. Uh, we must pray for peace. Peace in our lives, our homes, marriages, etc., etc. And so we need peace. Peace is constantly under attack. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Right. He is the prince of peace. And he took the chastisement of our peace and gave it to us as a gift. He's provided peace for all who are his children. Uh, he t we talked about long-suffering. What is the purpose? What is long-suffering, first of all? Suffering long, the, the, the obvious answer. Suffering long. What's the purpose of suffering long? Patience, okay. Preservation. Molding. Opportunity. That's what I'm looking for. Long-suffering gives opportunity to change. When we talk about the fact that God was long-suffering to usward, why? Because we're dense. As humans, we are dense. Folks, we're, we're reliving issues that have been dealt with in the past right now. You, you all know the old saying, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, we're, we're, we're doomed to repeat it right now because we don't learn. And so what does God do for us? Because his desire is for us to be saved, he's long-suffering, gives us plenty of opportunity. Folks, folks, I'm just going to insert this right here. Everybody has opportunity to be saved. Every day that you live is another opportunity. Every breath that you get is another opportunity. And every one of us has an opportunity. Everybody in this world, on this planet, gets an opportunity. Amen. So God is long-suffering, giving us opportunity to be saved. We talked about uh, gentleness. Gentleness is uh, wrapped up in a couple of different words, humility and meekness. Uh, David had every reason to boast, but rather he realized that it was the gentleness, the humility that God gave to him that's what made him great. And so we are admonished to be kind, good, and gentle to one another. We talked about the goodness, the, the characteristic of goodness regarding the fruit of the Spirit. Christians are to prove, cleave, do, and work, and follow after the goodness of the Lord. How many are good? None but one which is God. And the Lord is good to who? To all. Right. Uh, like Martha, uh, she chose to do the service and, and do the work and run around with her, you know, like a chicken with her head cut off. But Mary, what did she choose? She chose that which was good. She dwelt or sat at the feet of Jesus. And so we are admonished to abhor that which is evil and to cleave to that which is good. 
Amen. How is the good tree known? By its good fruit. Amen. A corrupt tree will bring forth corrupt fruit, but a good tree will bring forth good fruit. We overcome evil with good. And as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good to whom? All men. Amen. We talked about faith. Brother Lee did a great job teaching on faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. And as the branches, we don't find a source for faith anywhere else except where? The vine. Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine. And so that's why we abide in Him. We're established in Him. And so being established in Him, we hold fast the profession of our faith. We grow in faith. We find our purpose in, in our faith. We strive together for the faith of the gospel. Faith gives us or causes us to see and hope for those things that are not yet as though they are. Why? Because we are attached to the source. Attached to the source. The just, how do they live? By faith. Good, good, good. And so then we, we talked about meekness last week. Meekness is having a right understanding of relationship. What does that mean? Is meekness timidness? Is meekness, forgive the rhyming, is it weakness? Okay. What is meekness? Quiet strength or, it's a good answer, or controlled power. Both are good answers. Right timing, and it's got all that involved in it. So it's not just the right thing, but it's also the right timing. Good answer. Amen. The oxen are strong, but they know who has the authority. Right? When they're under the yoke, they know who's con in control. And so we must be. Uh, so we abide in the vine. We seek the Lord with meekness. We receive the word with meekness. Uh, and so we must be the man or woman of God that he desires us to be because of meekness. Because we know our strength our power does not come from ourselves. But you shall receive power after what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. Meekness is necessary for unity. Meekness shows and is evident to others, and it builds them up. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4 tells us that it needs to be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament. Remember that? decoration what makes you beautiful what makes you good looking guys is the the a meek and quiet spirit amen and in meekness we are able to instruct those that oppose themselves that means that we're able to reach our world around us amen praise god galatians chapter 5 this is the final of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about tonight. We have one more lesson after this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
You know what? Let's let's go back. Let's read that together. You ready? Everybody got it? Ready? One, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And John, just for you, let us be de not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And let's go ahead and go to John chapter 15, our secondary text. John chapter 15. In verse number one. When you have it, say amen. Sure. Amen. Amen. We've got better things to do than to fuss. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Paul talks a lot about that. Amen. John chapter 15, verse number 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I love that progression that Jesus gives to us. It, it goes from bearing fruit, to bearing more fruit, to bearing much fruit. Why? Because we're abiding in him. All right. I was asked a question last week. Uh, Sister Laura uh, was talking to me after service. I'm not putting you on the spot. Uh, she was just talking to me, and, and we were talking about self-control. Self-control. Did you know that that's part of the fruit of the Spirit? We always forget, don't we? <laughs> but it's part of the fruit of of the Spirit, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. In the King James, you're going to read that as the word temperance. Temperance. It's an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it comes from one word, uh, and that is mashal. And mashal means to rule or reign or have dominion over. To rule or reign or have dominion over. Okay? In the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, it comes from two key root words, uh, ingrat and sophron. Ingrat and sophron. I'm probably mispronouncing those, but you get the point. From those two words come a number of other words that carry a similar meaning with slight differences, and each of those will deepen the application for this characteristic that we call temperance. Okay, Each of those meanings in the Greek especially will deepen the meaning as we look to apply or develop or grow 
this fruit or characteristic of temperance. The meaning of these words uh, from the Greek are important as we discuss this fruit, and we seek to understand how to allow the fruit of temperance to be evident in our lives. So the primary meanings of these Greek words, those two Greek words, ingrat and sophron, uh, are these. Self-control or self-restraint. The second one is to be strong or masterful. The third one is to be sound in mind. Sound in mind. The fourth is to be moderate. To be moderate in your opinions or your passions. Okay? And the last one is to be disciplined. Disciplined. We're not always fans of some of those words. But each of these will be made evident as we go through our study tonight in this this characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit that we call temperance. We must allow the Lord to work in our lives. So much so to the point that we bear this fruit of the Spirit. And one of those characteristics is temperance. When we look again as we, as we have gone through so far in these last number of weeks, uh, we talk about the vine and the source of those things that, that we are to receive because he is the vine. How do the branches get their strength? How do the branches grow and develop? They're attached to the vine. So we've got to have our source. We've got to understand where this comes from. And we'll talk about the branches. That's you and I and how we receive. But then also at the end we'll talk about how we bear that fruit and we give that to somebody else. So when we talk about the vine, the Hebrew word that we talked about, mashal, it means to rule, to reign, or have dominion. It's found approximately a hundred times in the Old Testament. We find that it's used most frequently regarding the ruling or dominion of one person over another. One person over another. We see it the first time that it's used in Genesis chapter 1, verse 18, where the sun and the moon and the stars are designated to rule over the day and over the night. That's where we see that word used the first time. It's from those two lights that we find the control of the days, of the weeks, of the months, and of the years. We see the control of the seasons in which God uses to feed mankind and to replenish the earth with the nutrients that God uses as an example of the seasons that we face in our lives in the Spirit. Amen. He set the sun and the moon and the stars to rule over the day and the night. And they control all of those things. In other, and, and, and you can set your watch, so to speak, to the turning, to the cycles. You can find direction from the star, as they have for centuries. Because God set those things in order. He set them in place to rule, to give instruction and direction to the rest of his creation as the times and the seasons change. You understand the concept? Amen? They don't just go off willy-nilly. Okay, we're going to make today uh, 27 hours. We're gonna <laughs> What's that? It won't change. Now, we may have more daylight, like when we were up in British Columbia. It was, it was light until 11 o'clock during the summer. 
People are out mowing their yards at 10 o'clock at night. But in the winter, it was dark at around 4 o'clock. But that doesn't mean that, that, that those things, that just means that the seasons, the times are changing. Why? Because that's the ruling of the sun, the moon, and the stars. God set those things in order. Amen. And so we find that God exercises himself temperance toward man. Temperance is not just regarding what, you know, we don't just substitute the word temper in there, but it does find its deep application there because sometimes we lose our tempers. Anybody ever lost your temper? <laughs> I think we're probably all guilty. Uh, and so, but, but God is, is that this temperance is not just regarding tempers and anger, but temperance, you'll find it in, in conjunction many times with meekness. Controlled strength, right? Well, temperance is controlling yourself in spite of how you feel and it's restraining yourself in spite of what you want to do. Everybody with me? So God is temperate toward man. God didn't just wipe man out with the flood, but in his long suffering, he exercised temperance and allowed Noah to build an ark and preach that anybody who would respond could be saved. You remember how long he was in building the ark? 120 years, folks. They had plenty of opportunity. Why? Because God, he wasn't just angry and going to just wipe everybody out. He gave them hope. He gave them an opportunity because he was temperate. Amen. Um, there are numerous examples in the scripture that would plainly show us how God has been temperate toward mankind uh, according to every definition that we have found in scripture. But God is not only temperate in action, but he also rules and reigns over us in righteousness. He is not a man that he should lie. Praise God. He's not a man that he would abuse his power. He is not a man that he is carried away with emotion. He's not a man that is influenced by others. He is sovereign. He is all by himself. He is his own counsel. Because who can counsel God? And so he exercises temperance toward us. God is the ruler of the heavens and the earth. The heaven is his throne, the earth footstool for his feet. He reigns on high and his dominion is from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. And so he is our example of temperance. What does it mean that God rules? How significant is that to us? Well, it, let me put it very plainly. Go ahead.
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> That's all right. I, I understand. I understand. So, so when we when we look at temperance, that God is in control, he, he is ruling, reigning over mankind, over you and I. Why that is so significant? When I when I pray, uh, most of the time I, I use the pattern pray I pray through uh, the tabernacle pattern, um, and and when I'm praying, uh, the the. Uh, the, if you understand the tabernacle pattern, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But the um, when you when you in my mind as I'm praying, as I'm entering into the holy place, there's the five pillars that you have to pass in the in the tabernacle to get into the holy place. And so as I'm praying and I'm moving toward the holy place, uh, in my mind is that I, I begin to pray the the name of God. Okay. When I say the name of God, I'm specifically quoting the, the name that is mentioned in Isaiah 9-6. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And so as I'm praying that, each of those uh, are, are part of my prayer. And when I get to the third one, that he is the Mighty God. I pray that in my life and I pray that in your lives, I do, I pray for each of you, and when I'm praying that, that his name would be known in your life as the mighty God, what I am praying is that we will recognize that he has everything in control, that we can trust in him because he is the almighty God. Praise God church if you you know those that have been around for for uh, quite a while since we we came here eight years ago uh you've heard me say it many times that this god who created the heavens and the earth that he holds the universe he measured it out in the span of his hand and so if if he's holding the universe in the span of his hand where does my problem fit How big is my problem to that God? Folks, we don't even get to see most of the stars that are out there with our own eyes. So think about how vast the universe is, and God is holding it right there in his hand. And my problem is down there somewhere. And that's what I pray, is that we understand that that God is still in control. He's still holding us because we're in his universe. And praise God that he is not influenced by emotion or whim or selfish desire like man is. He's in control. Not only did God create the heavens and the earth and measure the waters in his hand, but he continues to hold them. Don't think for a moment that God is not in control. Don't think for a moment that God can't handle what is taking place in your life. Amen. He's in control. What may catch you by surprise, 
what may feel overwhelming to you, that you're just going to go under because you can't take it. Folks, it hasn't caught him by surprise. And why that's important is because he's not running around like you and I, with a, like a chicken with our head cut off, trying to figure out how we're going get, to get through this. He's, al- he's already in your tomorrow. Folks, th- those thoughts just blow my mind. That while he's moving in our midst as we're praising him because he dwells in our praises or inhabits our praises, that while he's here with us right now, he's already there tomorrow when you get some bad news. He's already there tomorrow when the doctor gives you a report. He's got it all in control. And that's why I pray is that we recognize that he is the almighty God. That as you go through your problems and situations of your life, that God is exercising, showing his temperance in your life. Let the peace of God, Paul says to the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 15, let the peace of God do what? Rule in your hearts. Amen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let him have control. Let him have control. He's in control. Your life sometimes may feel like it's out of control. But praise God, it's all in his hands. And he is in control. So we take comfort and, and, and uh, have peace because the vine in him flows temperance, control. And as we abide in him, it should flow into our lives as well. So let's talk about us. Let's talk about the branches. We're a mess. (laughs) Are we not? He's 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 right. He's good. He's 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 all 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 that there is. He's the source. Us? Man, when I look at when I look around I wonder why God is so long-suffering. Because we're a mess. Amen. So we, we as the branches must abide in the vine. Much like meekness, which flows from an understanding of relationship with the Master. So we gain strength to rule ourselves. Remember, meekness is controlled power. Okay? controlled power we understand that relationship that he's he's the one in control we're having that same discussion in a little different manner right now because of temperance but just like 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 meekness comes from that understanding of relationship in that we gain strength to rule ourselves with restraint with soundness of mind with moderation But where does that come from? Does it come from your flesh? Does it come from from, uh, uh, motivational speakers? Somebody say it out loud. The Spirit of God 
It flows from the Lord, the source of these things. And he gives bountifully of his mercies. And praise God that he has not dealt with us according to our transgressions. Amen. But let me tell you a problem that we have. When we come to the Lord, we, we lay all of our actions. We lay every choice that we ever make. We lay every, every decision. We lay every, everything that we do. We try to just throw it on Jesus. And you say, Pastor, well, you preach that, don't you? Cast all your cares on him because he cares. Yeah, but that's, this is different. What, when I say that we're laying these things at the feet of the Lord, what I'm saying is that, is that we, we try to put God in a place to make us a puppet so that we don't ever do anything wrong. Lord, if this isn't your will, don't let me do this. Anybody ever prayed that? Lord, if you don't want me to sin, take away the urges. Come on, folks. And those, those prayers are prayed with sincerity because we want to be pleasing to God. But He will not take away your free will. You will still get to make decisions. You will still get to make choices. And if you're still human, you're most likely still going to mess up. And when I say mess up, let me just be plain, it's going to be sin. Oh, we may make some wrong decisions in life, but, but we're going we're gonna to give in to temptation of sin at some point. Your sin, what, your, what tempts you may be different from what your brother is tempted with or your sister. And we, we try to put on God the responsibility of our actions. No, that's not what's supposed to happen. God is the source of this temperance that we're talking about. And if we abide in that vine, then we as the branches, we have strength as we make decisions, as we live our lives, we have strength to make those right decisions, to do right actions, and to walk righteously and godly in this present world. But do we do it? In other words, are we exercising the same temperance that God tries to put into our lives? And so, we are to live soberly, that is, with sound mind and moderation. Titus, book of Titus, chapter number 2, verse 11. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Does any of that sound like God is making you move like a puppet? 
Does any of that sound like God is taking the responsibility off your shoulders to make those decisions? Not in the least. You got a question, Paul? Or John? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. It, and we, we understand that we're not attached to different vines. We're attached to one vine. We're all different branches, but there's one vine. Praise God. And, and uh, you're a little bit ahead of me. I'm going to get there. <laughs> That's good. That's all right, John. No worries. So, um, so each of those things that we just read in Titus, they are left in our hands to choose. We make those choices to live uh, to deny ungodliness, to, to reject worldly lust, to live soberly, righteously, and godly. That's our, that's our choice. It's our choice. The one who strives to be the best that they can be in Jesus are those who, like Paul, become all things to all men. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 get there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16. When we do like Paul, we understand it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take discipline. Amen. How many, how many of you adults wish you could go back and become a kid again? If you could have the body of a child <laughs> without the aches and the pains <laughs> and still know what you know today. <laughs> but we, we have become who we are because we have learned things over time and most of that learning was it was trained. We, we had to spend time and effort learning those things. Well, the same thing is with temperance. In school, did the person that got A's, did they have to work for it? Any more than the person that got F's? Of course they did. Of course they did. They had to study. They had to, they had to do their homework. And then you got guys like me that, that we put it off till the last and we, 
We just hope that we would make it. If I could go back, that would be one thing I would redo. But it takes discipline. It takes effort. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 16. And I think I've got the wrong scripture. I've got the wrong scripture. I have most of my scriptures print, typed in my, my notes. This is what happens when I don't. Let me just check something. We'll move on. <laughs> Praise God. But Paul said, I, I have become all things to all men. Paul didn't want to abuse his authority, his power, his liberty. Amen. He was exercising temperance, self-control, discipline. He was choosing to become weak for those that are weak. Why? Because he was exercising temperance to win the law. His authority, power, and liberty are all found in Christ. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you read about Paul, he's pointing the way to Christ. That everything that he's doing is because of Christ. But if we don't abide in him, we begin to rely on ourselves and take ownership of authority and power and liberty that we have received. That I'm doing this. Folks, we wouldn't have a breath to breathe if it wasn't for the Lord. And thank the Lord that as we, as we have given our lives to Him, is that we are able to receive that strength to exercise that temperance, that self-control. He's not going to make you do it, but you now have a source from which to draw. Everybody with me? It got real quiet right there. You're trying to wrap your minds around that? Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 9. We're in the same chapter. 9 verse 25. 1 Corinthians 9 25. And I think it was probably a typo. I think I was looking for 26. Uh, but 1 Corinthians 9 25. And every man that strives for the mastery, that means to be the best. Okay? So the, the, those that are, that are athletes, they strive to be the best athletes. Those that are tradesmen, they strive to be the best tradesmen. So every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. That means they exercise self-control, discipline. Now they do it for what? I'm sorry? A perishable or King James corruptible crown. It's going to pass away. Folks, those, those that win the Olympics, they get a gold medal. But that gold medal is going to burn and melt with fervent heat when the day of the Lord comes. What good is it going to accomplish? They do it for a corruptible crown. Now, back then, that, that crown was, was a wreath. 
that they would wear if they won those games. And so it was a corruptible crown. Those leaves were going to fade away. But we, he says, an incorruptible. We're doing it for something that is never going to pass away. Praise God. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that is beating the air. He says, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm doing something of eternal significance. But I keep under my body. This is where he says that I'm exercising temperance, self-control, discipline. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's how important it was to Paul is that I'm not just doing what I'm doing to gain uh, uh, accolades and significance in this world. I'm doing this for eternal preparation. My soul is going to go somewhere after this life, and so will yours. And so Paul says, I'm trying to reach everybody I can. And I am... In order to do that, I also must keep my, my body, my life in subjection so that I too will be saved. Because God forbid that we reach somebody else and we ourselves are lost. Folks, I'm just going to put this in here. This is not in my notes. I don't mind being what is called what, what some in the world would call a fundamentalist. I don't mind being classified as conservative. I don't mind being said that I'm, uh, you know, so, some even call uh, Pentecostals a cult because of some of the choices that we make in our living. We believe certain things and live a certain way. Why don't I mind it? Because there is a place for the self-control and discipline because I simply want to be saved. I want to make sure that I am holy before the Lord. And so we don't, we don't try to make rules and dogmas by man's opinions and man's uh, thoughts and philosophies. No, we try to base our living upon the Scripture upon the Word of God. And what that means is, is that we, we don't try to, to take some Scripture and apply that to our lives, but not this one. You either take the whole book or you don't. Now, is all of it literal? I'll say it right here and now. No, it's not. Ooh, I just, I just shocked some of you. Folks, if you read the Psalms, you know it's not literal in some of those. When you read Isaiah, when we talk about that hills are skipping and things, I'm sorry, I've never seen a hill skip. I've never heard a mountain sing. You understand what I'm saying? We take the whole book or none of the book, and we learn to apply the Scripture and the principles that are taught. Those things that are, are direct, we live those things. Those things that are principles that, that we can apply, we apply. 
And I don't mind having to defend myself and what I teach and what I live if somebody thinks that, that I'm too conservative. Because I want to reach everybody I can. And I myself want to be saved. I'm not doing any of this for worldly gain. I'm doing it because there is a crown that, that the Lord has prepared. That there is a place that He has gone. A home, a mansion that He is building for us in glory. That's why we're doing it. I don't think sometimes that we're conservative enough. That might scare some of you. I think sometimes we can make decisions that maybe maybe we're we're erring a little too much trying to satisfy our flesh. I'll leave that right there. So we keep our flesh, our body under and bring it into subjection knowing that we are not our own. We're bought with a price, and we're only complete in Him. And so how do we begin to exercise this as we abide in Christ? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. For God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. But what has He given us? Power of love, sound mind. Power of love, sound mind. Folks, you, you can read that scripture. It says it very plainly. There's a spirit of fear that, that God is not, has not provided to us, has not given to us. But you can keep that word spirit there and carry on with the rest of that. Let's just take out the spirit of fear. Let's just leave that aside. God has given us the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's what He gives. And that word sound mind, please forgive me for just a moment. That word, that the, the words sound mind, that is the, the Greek word that we've talked about that is translated as temperance. He's given us the spirit of power, of love, and of temperance. Whew, we, don't, we miss that. When we read it in, in the translation of King James, we, we'll miss that if we're not careful. It's the same word of the fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, temperance. There's a Spirit that God gives to us that helps us to be temperate in all things. What Spirit is that? Holy Ghost. He gives us His own Spirit because we're abiding in Him and He in us. Amen. 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 And what this does for us is it empowers us 
the spirit of power, love, and sound mind, temperance. What that does for us as you continue reading, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Praise God. This self-control, this discipline, this temperance that we're talking about flows from the Lord. He's the vine. Into our lives, we're the branches. And as such, we have to exercise that in our own living. And in doing so, it makes way for fruit to be born. Praise God. Temperance is the guarded step. It's the sober, the measured walk in the Christian life that keeps the way and makes straight paths. One of my favorite uh, portions of Scripture, it's in, a, in the prophecy of Isaiah, and it's, it's repeated in the Gospels, is the prophecy of John the Baptist. He's the one who is going to be uh, crying in the wilderness, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And in doing so, the, the, the valleys will be exalted and the, the hills will be brought low and the crooked, made, plate, crooked ways will be made straight. The rough places will be made plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Folks, if that doesn't speak about temperance, I don't know what does. The low points of our lives, the depressions and oppressions that we're in, those by the power of God, by the Spirit of God that He imparts into your life gets brought up. We don't need to be living in those things. And so they come up. And those, those hyper times... Because usually, somebody who's up on the mountaintops, it's not too long and they're down in the valleys low. Amen? Our world has given it a name called bipolar. And it seems to fit everything. If you're having a bad day, and tomorrow you're having a good day, you're bipolar. That, and I don't mean to make light of that, I truly don't. But we, we get diagnosed with these things and, we, and, and when we get diagnosed with these things we think that that's the way we have to live. But through the power of God His Spirit abiding in you and you in Him can bring up those depressions, can, can moderate those high points when you drive everybody crazy. That the times when you're not sure how you're going to walk, he straightens it out. And the roughness of your living, he smooths it out. And you know what happens when, when all of that takes place? What was John doing? He was preparing the way of the Lord. 
glory of God would be revealed. Folks, when we can exercise temperance in our lives, the glory of God will be revealed. When we exercise temperance and, and it's born in the fruit that we bear to the world around us, the glory of God will be revealed. Because we're allowing a way to be made in and through us to somebody else. Temperance is, is something we must have as the children of God. Because our testimony is hindered when we're riding the waves, when we're climbing the mountain and tumbling to the valleys. If you're in those points and you experience those things, plug in to the Holy Ghost. Abide in the vine. Don't let the world creep in. Because the world will keep doing that to you. But let the Holy Ghost be your direction. Let the temperance, the self-control. Again, He's not going to take away your, your abilities, your responsibilities. But He will give you power. He will give you power. Temperance covers the whole range of moral discipline and concerns every sense and passion of our nature. Temperance is a practiced mastery of self. A practiced mastery of self. I wish I had had this in my notes. I don't, and so I'm not going to try to give you all the details. But anybody ever heard of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier? Those that guard, that are... That are uh, 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 that take on that responsibility of guarding the tomb of the unknown soldier. Folks, it's not a show. They are legit guards. And they have to choose to live a certain type of lifestyle for the rest of their lives, not just during their time as a guard. Because once they are a guard, even if they're not standing guard at the tomb, they are always a guard. They can't drink alcohol. While they're guarding, not walking the beat, but, but while they're uh, uh, in that command, they, they're not to be watching TV. And there's other things that they, ha they cannot do because they choose to become a guard of the, un the tomb of the unknown soldier. And folks, it's intense. It puts, it puts most Christians to shame, the discipline. And if they can do that for something of this world, folks, we need to exercise mastery over ourselves. Anybody, anybody know that you're your own worst enemy? Oh, I, I believe that there are spirits, devils, demons that, that come against us. I believe that the enemy is trying to take us out. Absolutely. But you know what? We make his job a whole lot easier. Because he just has to put something out there. In fact, I, in fact, he doesn't even have to do the work anymore. The world does it. 
they put it out there because of their lascivious lifestyles and their, their decisions, and we see it and we want to do it. Because we're not exercising the mastery over ourselves. Our tongue. Folks, we gotta, we got to get control of our tongue. Our hands and what we do. Our feet and the places that we go. Our eyes and what we choose to put in front of them. Our tempers. <laughs> our tastes, our affections. All of these things and more in our lives, we have to exercise self-control and discipline. Temperance, it help, helps to speak with reason and truth. And I'm almost done. Acts chapter 24, verse 24. After certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul. And he heard him concerning the faith in Christ. In other words, Paul had, had the attention of Felix. And as he reasoned or gave his uh, explanation or, or argument of righteousness and what? Temperance and judgment to come, notice what happened. Felix trembled and answered, Go your way for this time. When I have convenient season, I will call for you. But when Paul was talking about righteousness, judgment to come, and temperance, temperance, temperance in the middle of righteousness and judgment to come. And Paul felt like that was needed in that discussion. Temperance was among those things that he chose to preach to Felix and his wife. And quite frankly, it's part of us putting our faith in action. Because faith without works is dead, being of itself. It's part of walking in holiness. If we can't control ourselves, we can't be unified. If we can't control ourselves, then we cannot live holy. Because God is not going to put you on strings and walk you around through your life and make your decisions for you. He gives you the power through His Spirit. And you have to make the choices. And I think that Felix maybe have, had felt that unction of the Holy Ghost as Paul spoke, that it wasn't just the judgment to come that made him tremble. That Felix... If you're going to be righteous, you've got to start exercising some self-control, some discipline. You've got to change the way you're living. And is that not the issue when we ourselves have to make those choices, but when we present the gospel to somebody else? Folks, the gospel requires change. The gospel requires change. And that's what people are confronted with. They were confronted with it with John. They were confronted with it with Jesus. They were confronted with it with the apostles in the book of Acts. Temperance is part of that. Amen. And we continue uh, down into chapter 26, Acts chapter 26, verse 24. As he thus spake for himself, now he's, Felix not only is there, but he's also got Festus. And, and uh, uh, as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, 
you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. But he said, I'm not mad. That means crazy. I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knows of these things before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a quarter, corner, King Agrippa. Believest thou the prophets? I know you believe. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, You almost persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. Almost. I wonder why the almost. Because there's a choice that has to be made. It requires change. And that change is going to require discipline. Self-control. I need to move, move forward. <laughs> Try to finish quickly. I'll, I'll, I'll say this: that when we look at uh, uh, temperance, temperance is what is used is one of those things that is used to distinguish leaders, leaders in the church. Now, folks, I'm going to say myself and any of the leaders that we have in our church: we're still human. We are not perfect. Please give us that grace. Please give us that grace. Understand that if you were in, in the position of leaders, the struggles that you might have. Amen. Exercise the golden rule. But leadership, as Paul spoke to Timothy, that one of those qualifying factors for a bishop, we'll just say leaders, deacons, those that are guiding the church that one of those qualifications anybody want to guess what it is temperance temperance amen let me just let me just put this in there titus uh, he wrote to titus and to timothy but titus he says chapter 1 verse 7 for a bishop must be blameless steward of god not self-willed not soon angry not given to wine no striker not given to filthy lucre that's money but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. 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 And these things are required of leaders. Folks, if you can't control yourself, don't come asking pastor to become the next assistant pastor. Amen. One of my favorite scriptures, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here and then we're going to wrap it up. One of my favorite scriptures, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. Beside this, he says, Give all, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So, so anybody like math? Okay, anybody like, like uh, growing or becoming better? One, all right, two, okay, three, four, okay, great. Oh, there's a few of us. I know we all do. Well, we like to have good things, right? And so Peter says, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, 
patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness. Add those things in. These are not things that are taken lightly. Add temperance to your knowledge. And to your temperance, add patience. Isn't it nice how it's right in the middle there? That you gain temperance from knowing certain things. Didn't we talk about it tonight? I know he's in control. And if I know he's in control, that means I can, I can be a little more calm. And as I'm a little more calm, I can exercise a little more patience while I wait for God to do his work. Add those things into your life. Amen. And I finish with this, this last scripture. Titus chapter 2, verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. In other words, speak truth. And in this, he says that this is part of it, that the aged men, any, any of the aged men around? Go ahead, own it. There you go. The aged men need to be sober, grave, not dead, grave. Okay? What's the next one? Temperate. Sound in faith, in charity, in patience. That the aged women likewise, any aged women? Nobody? Okay, that's all right. Own it. That's all right. Own it. Praise God. That the aged women likewise, you're just like the guys, that they be in behavior as becomes holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. For what purpose? For what purpose that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet? And that word discreet is also the same word as temperate in the Greek. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at, the ho at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. There is that word again temperate it's important that the older generation teach the younger generation just like we teach the younger generation how to praise that's biblical one generation shall praise him to another we teach our kids truth and doctrine but folks how much of that is wasted if we can't control ourselves how much of that is thrown out the door if we can't uh, exercise discipline and show our kids what it's like because they will follow in those steps. In verse number seven, in all things, this is why, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. To have the evidence or fruit of temperance, we must begin to strive to work to develop self-control. If you would, just tonight with me, just say it a couple words with me. So if you could say self-control. Now, you can't say that to somebody else. You've got to take ownership of it for yourself. Now, say discipline.
Ah, these are things that, that need to be applied to our living individually. We strive for the mastery, not allowing our flesh to rule our lives and let the Spirit of God empower us to exhibit this temperance. We must have soundness of mind. This includes peace and thinking with rationality and reason. And I will include also in there thinking from a biblical, godly perspective. We must not fly away with every whim and let our emotions flow with every wave. The Bible tells us to let our moderation be known to all men. Simply put, we must be disciplined, temperate. Somebody say amen. God, we love you tonight. You are so good to us. We thank you, God, that, that in all of these things that we have talked about,